NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Make plans now to be part of next year's action by visiting www.raceway.com and bomberito.com. The 2022 Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway is over, and what a weekend it was in the greater St. Louis area. We're going to conclude our two-month partnership with the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 Worldwide Technology Raceway for 2022 with today's podcast. Our special guest is Chris Blair, the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway. We look back at the exciting events that surrounded this year's Bomberito Automotive Group 500 and also look ahead to the season's final two races that will determine the NTT IndyCar Series Championship for 2022. That begins with Sunday's Grand Prix of Portland, which can be seen on NBC at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Here is my exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy with Chris Blair, the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is Worldwide Technology Raceway Executive Vice President and General Manager Chris Blair. Chris, it was another outstanding weekend at your track. A lot of excitement, but at the end, we saw a familiar face back in victory lane. It was Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske as he won his fourth Bomberito Automotive Group 500. I guess he's really got that track figured out. Yeah, I told him in uh, victory lane that I think I'm going to put a bounty out on him next year just uh, to get these guys to work a little harder to try to beat him. But, uh, you know, he had to he had to really work for it. It was a great race. Uh, it just kind of goes to show you how great uh, IndyCars are on our oval track. Uh, it, it was, again, the quality of competition, it just everything. And for Joseph, once again, to to be the guy that pulls it off. It just says something for him as a driver, for sure. And it was really an interesting race in the fact that we had the two-hour and 10-minute red flag because of the rain. Once that uh, went back to green, it seemed like a lot of the cars came to life. Uh, two in particular, I thought Jimmy Johnson did a pretty good job motoring his way up to a 14th place finish. His car came to life better in the under the uh, lights but the other one that really jumped out was rookie David Malukas. The way I look at it, if that race had lasted another four or five laps, he may have been the winner. That was the, the drive there was absolutely incredible. Uh, 
and we were up in uh, in our operations booth up top, and uh, uh, one of the guys that works for me, Brad Cannon, he was saying, "Man, are you watching Malukas?" And I said, "Who the heck's Malukas?" <laughs> no, I've been uh, keeping an eye on him. I was just trying to figure out, okay, there he is, and man, he was putting on a show. Uh, you know, that was the great thing about that that rain delay. Um, you know, it was enough to get the track wet, but it wasn't enough to wash the rubber off the track. And if anything, with the uh, the air titans that uh, we brought in, you know, it was one of those game day decisions. I made it about three weeks ago. I said, you know what, I'm not going to take any chances. I'm going to bring the air titans in. And so the effort, the job they did, the the multiple vacuum trucks, the jets, everything worked together so well that we didn't lose a lot of rubber off the racetrack. If anything, it just kind of cleaned it up. And I think it made that rubber uh, from that the two groove test that we did, I think it made it a little tackier and gave them some grip. But man, when they started coming on, they were coming on fast. So yeah, that, that racing there, yeah. And that goes to show you how great IndyCar fans are because, you know, we lost about 25% of our crowd during that two hour rain delay. The ones that stuck around to really to watch 15 to 20 minutes of racing, and they all left happy. That just goes to show you how great IndyCar fans are, that they're willing to do that. And, uh, you know, for for us, uh, you know, I was afraid we were going to have no one left when that rain hit. But, man, they all stuck around and uh, got to see an incredible show. And it, it just worked out well for us. You know, the rain lasted just long enough to get things wet. Uh, we had a band that was going to play a post-race concert. We threw them on stage earlier. They played everything they knew. Uh, yeah, everybody had fun on the midway and the concessions. Everybody was socializing. The drivers were talking to one another. Uh, the video team did a great job of the the content we were putting up on the video screen, so the fans had something to see. And really, it just kind of added to the mystique of uh, a night of racing. One of the things that I noticed about the track was uh, midway through the day on Saturday, I had to run over to the grandstand side to meet up with some people. And it really seemed like with the number of food trucks, the number of vendors and the number of activities that you had going on over in the grandstands, there was plenty to do over there before the race even started. And that was leading up to the big event. So obviously this fits into your model of keeping the fans entertained and giving them a big event on an oval, which has so far seemed to be a pretty successful formula. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the, the one challenge we had this time around, that we were doing very well on ticket sales until the weather forecast came out. That week of the race, uh, for a lot of our local folks, you would have thought we were going to have floods again, you know. But it it really, um, it was just those two little showers, one early in the day and one later in the day. Uh, but, you know, that, that really presented some challenges for us on those. The walk-ups weren't as good as what we've had in the past because of that forecast. And and I think the fact, too, there's just so many races in a row here in the Midwest. I was looking at the schedule from 2017, and, you know, between uh, July 9th when they ran um, uh, Iowa that season until they came to our place in, in late August, the only other races were Mid-Ohio, which doesn't really affect our market, and uh, I think they were going to Pocono at that time. Uh, you know, since that time, we now have Iowa, we, we, which has moved later in the month. We now have that Indy Road Course race that we have to deal with. We have to compete with Nashville. So that's, you know, uh, three races in front of us, all within a 250-mile uh, drive. Uh, you know, put some challenges on us. So we, we saw that our numbers were down a little bit in Indy, even though we advertised more than we had. Uh, so you know, we're hoping that in the future the schedule can spread out a little bit, give us a little more breathing room, allow fans the opportunity that they can 
uh, support all the races instead of having to pick and choose. But the ones who did come, you know, they were super loyal. They did it. They, they show just truly how much they enjoy oval racing because I think we deliver something that no one else can. And we, we proved it there again the other night. Have you mentioned that to the people at IndyCar, Mark Miles, uh, Bud Danker, uh, people like that, about uh, Michael Montre, about maybe spreading the schedule out a little bit with the Midwest races, uh, especially that time of the season? Yeah, we've had some talks. Right now, you know, everything we've got to do is you know, there's so much that is dictated by the TV uh, packages. So, you know, we're looking at uh, what options can work for everybody. And, you know, it's uh, – uh, it's it's a little bit of a challenge, but you know they're receptive and they're all they're really good partners and they want to work with us. So I think we're you know we'll see some uh, uh, some great things coming together where we work together and you know, put on some uh, you know I think that we could balance the schedule out a little bit better. It should make it better for all because you know I know right now the fans are really have to uh, make some choices because there's just so much going on in such a short window and uh, we want them to be able to take it all in. But from what you saw, were you getting the same type of crowd coming over from Indianapolis as you have in the past? Uh, we were down some, uh, you know, percentage wise, uh, we were down on the Indianapolis crowd and, you know, a big part of that started, uh, you know, since the, the addition of that, uh, road course race. But, uh, again, you know, that just means I got to work a little bit harder to you know, provide a better show to get the fans over. And that's one of the things we're working on. I mean, we had, we produced a really good show. We marketed as hard as we ever had. Forecast dictated a lot of it. Uh, we had some competition with some concerts and some other stuff that was going on. You know, I can't really make excuses. We're just going to try to keep doing what we do, and that's work harder than everybody else. And uh, had some great conversations with uh, Jay Fry. We talked uh, we talked twice, I believe, since the race now about what we can do to make the, the our race um, even more unique than uh, what it has been in the past. We're going to try some different things as things on the competition side. Uh, then some things I'm going to do on the schedule side of what I bring in to go along with this race. That it's gonna, I'm, My goal is to make it where our race is one people just can't refuse. Uh, you know, we're going to offer them a ticket package that they just simply can't refuse. They're all going to want to be there. And, you know, this is the race that kind of, uh, when we came along in 2017, we pumped a whole lot of life back into the uh, IndyCar uh, schedule and the excitement, especially for that time of year. So, you know, we have to constantly be reinventing ourselves, and that's one of the things I'm going to work on is I'm going to figure out, you know, uh, how we make this more of a motorsports lifestyle festival and less about just a pure race. So we're going to add more racing content. We're going to add more uh, uh, things that we feel like the fans would be interested in. And, uh, again, our goal is to you know offer something they can't refuse. And if we can do that, then they're going to keep coming back. Well, one of the things you did in promotion was capitalize on the Joseph Newgarden, Roman Grosjean uh, tiff that happened in the big machine Music City Grand Prix. You created the smack wall over in turn two, which had quotes from various drivers of different racing series where they're all talking smack. Were you able to talk to Joseph or did you get Joseph's reaction to being the impetus for that idea? Uh, I just, uh, I thank Joseph and you know, we kind of chuckled about it, but uh, you know, that, that was one of the things we just tried to stir up some of that drama and, uh, you know, seeing some of the other things that are going on, uh, it seems like Joseph's kind of playing into that role. He's really uh, uh, getting out there and uh, getting, you know, Joseph is a pretty colorful guy. It seems like he's becoming uh, more confident and more relaxed in the way that he's uh, uh, prom promoting. He's becoming a great promoter of the sport. 
And, uh, yeah, so the, our little smack wall gimmick, I mean, it got us some media attention. We got some stories out of it. That was the main thing. But the funny part about it is if you go out and take a look at the wall, uh, it's scuffed marked from one end to the other. So if we put it exactly where we figured some guys would be getting a piece of it, it's officially destroyed. So uh, that says a lot about the, the racing. The guys were getting into it, but it kept going. It was right there on the edge. And you know, that was one of the things I took some pictures of it just to show people. You know, these guys were that close to the wall, but they kept their foot in it. They kept racing. And that says a lot about our racetrack. Uh, you know, you can uh, do a lot of daring things, and uh, it's pretty forgiving. Another interesting thing that you did with IndyCar president Jay Fry was the extra high lane session where drivers went out there, nine drivers from different teams went out there and were, were able to run the high line. How effective do you think that ended up being? Oh, I think that turned out to be a major part of the success of the, uh, of the quality of the racing because, um, you know, I think it gave the drivers the confidence, uh, especially those young drivers. That's one of the things I told Jay, I said, especially after watching the Lucas go up there, I said, I don't think he knows that he shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> but uh, the young guys were taking that to the high groove. And I tell you what, that second groove test, just if people that were there and they watched it on Friday, the side-by-side racing lap after lap after lap that these guys were uh, throwing down was incredible. Uh, Firestone brought a really good tire for that test, and hopefully that's one they used. But, you know, again, this this is all Jay Fry. This, Jay brought it to me and said he wanted to do it and asked if I was okay with it. And I've pretty much gotten to the point that if Jay calls and says it's a good idea, I'm going with it because Jay is the best in the business. He really is um, just overall great partner to work with. Uh, he's a visionary. He gets it from every angle. He gets it from the marketing side. He gets it from the competition side. He understands what we have to go through. And uh, he's all about making the show more entertaining and making the racing better. And uh, IndyCar is so fortunate to have that guy making those calls. And uh, we're, we're just happy to work with him. It's always an honor to get to work with Jay and that crew of his. You started off the weekend on Friday, IndyCar qualifying with an historic um, achievement. Will Power Team Penske got his 67th career pole, which ties the great Mario Andretti for most poles in IndyCar history. So that's got to be a pretty good achievement for you to have that happened on your track. Well, it's funny. So Eric Hanenfeld, who's one of our announcers, he comes down from the uh, Rockford area. Uh, he shot me a text and that was over. And he said, that's the most fun I've ever had announcing an event in my life. And, you know, Eric does all kinds of sprint car races and dirt track races and short track stuff all through the Midwest. And he said that that was just so much fun because just the build up to it, the way it all worked out. It, I mean, it was the picture perfect uh, for show for a qualifying show. And uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And to get to see Will accomplish that there, uh, you know, epic day. So that's one of those, again, it's you know, kind of checking the boxes of, uh, how great each day is and, you know, just the, uh, the practice and qualifying day on its own uh, really was phenomenal. And then we followed that up with the silver crown race later that evening. Cody Swanson came through and won a great race there. So the fans who came for both days of racing, they got to see an incredible show. And you also got a good show out of the pro Mazda in the Indy light series as part of the weekend package. Uh, how was it to have those two back on your track? Oh, it always is. You know, and, you know, uh, Matty Bram, uh, you know, he's uh, always been just so uh, good to us and uh, you know, helped us with our different promotions, seeing him you know, get that rent win. And, you know, look, there's uh, some heated uh, tempers going on 
uh, in that race as well. And, uh, uh, so that was cool. I mean, getting to see, you know, uh, you know, anytime you have a Brabham win one of your races, that just, that says something, you know, and, uh, him taking that win, he's been a big supporter. That was really good to see. And, you know, the, the pro 2000 cars, man, when they get cranked up and they start buzzing around in a pack, it's pretty exciting. So, you know, there was a lot of those pieces to it that it, uh, the racing all around for the whole day was really, really good. I'm pretty optimistic. I think Indy Lights, you're going to see that series continue to improve and get better. I know there's going to be some changes coming along for next year with them. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a great show. And, uh, you know, if we can get, just keep that package together and add a few more elements to it, um, you can't ask for a better day of racing, especially for the ticket price. So entering into the race, Will Power starts on the pole. He leads a total of 128 laps. The race went 145 laps before the first caution, and that was for Jack Harvey getting into the turn four wall. Were you a little surprised the race went that long without any incidents? Yeah, I really was. And there was part of me that thought, okay, did you know, we knew we had weather approaching where all these guys just playing it safe, waiting for that last mad dash. Uh, and that was one of the things that Jay and I talked about uh, also is you know, hopefully we can do some things to get these guys uh, getting after it a little bit uh, earlier. But, you know, the thing about it was, yeah, it was that many laps without a caution, but the on-track action was absolutely incredible. By the end of the day, I think we had 520 on-track passes, and, uh, and that was going on all race long. So, uh, you know, you know, it's not necessarily about the cautions, it's about the quality of what you see them when they're on, when, when it's green. And man, that was some tense green flag racing. And everywhere you looked around the racetrack, I mean, it was, it was pretty hard to keep up with everything going on because it was all so good. And the number of times I looked down, I would see somebody going three wide and a couple of the guys sticking their nose in there, you know, thinking about a four wide, uh, wasn't going to work. So they, luckily they all backed out of it, but you know, it was all around the racetrack, just good racing. And, Again, IndyCar has got such a good on-track product. I you know, just hope more people realize it and are made aware of it, and, um, because it's a lot better what you're seeing uh, than what you're seeing on the F1 side of things. That's for sure. With IndyCar, you never know who's going to win. Over there, you can pretty much nail it down to one or two guys. So they, you know, IndyCar really is the best open wheel racing anywhere on the planet, and it just keeps getting better. So Will Power is a former winner. He led 128 laps. Joseph Newgarden won the race for the fourth time in his career. Fifth victory this season. And third in laps led and had a real good race and a chance to have won the race if he had maybe heard his team owner call for him to pit earlier because he would have come out ahead of uh, Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden was Takuma Sato, who won one of your doubleheader races back in 2020. What did you think of his effort? Oh, it was it was incredible. Um, you know, the guy that really stood out to me to watch and his intensity, and I'm just simply amazed by it. you touched on it was McLaughlin. Uh, you talk about a guy that can drive anything. That dude can drive anything that's out there, and I really enjoy watching him. Uh, you know, it, it you know it, it's sad to see that he got end up with a third place because he was just so good all race long. But uh, the intensity that guy brings and, you know, to watch him evolve uh, here pretty soon, he's going to go on a streak and he's just going to be kicking everybody's butt. Uh, he's just that good. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's an honor to get to see him race. And, you know, there Saturday night seeing him standing on the podium. I, I was a big V8 supercars fan. So watching him through the years run those and now seeing him over here, um, you know, he's, he's an amazing racer and Penske's got a really good guy there. That's uh Another one of those, I think pretty soon you're going to see him and Joseph really going at it, just uh, you know, doing some battles, more battles like that for Penske. 
One of the things that struck me in Friday's qualifications was the top six drivers on the grid were the top six drivers in the points race. We've been talking for several weeks now about how your race is a major decider and who wins the championship. I think that element right there illustrates that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the fact that it's the last oval race, too. This is, I always look at our race, uh, it's one of those where you can get those runs, you can pass a lot of cars. It's a lot more difficult than when you get to a road course. And a lot of these guys, this is the race that can uh, launch them over the top. You know, it's it's worked for uh, for, them, for guys in the past, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it just puts a different uh, element to this. So now, you know, going into Portland, going into Laguna Seca, uh, it's it's harder to pass cars if you have uh, if you have a bad day. There's some opportunities for people to recover. There's those uh, opportunities to try some different pit strategy. But yeah, this race and especially the date, I always like to claim you know we're the the oval world finals for IndyCar, and uh, you know truly that's what the sport was built on. So you know it's a shame we won't see uh, IndyCars on an oval again for several months. But uh, at least the, what they did get to see was great and it really adds a whole lot of spice to that points battle. And so it's, again, it's one of those where it, it changes week after week and it just keeps getting better and better. So, I mean, these last two races, uh, it's going to be, it's going to come down to the wire. That's for sure. And the great thing I like about this, again, I think I mentioned this in one of our previous interviews, you know, there's no, there's no countdowns. There's no, uh, reset in the field. You know, it's this competitive going in based on a, a traditional point system. And, uh, yeah, it was it was really a good show, and uh, you know, even with that break, watching the way the guys got to change things around and and come back so much, uh, you know, that last fifteen minutes, with all the changes and the uh, impacts. I mean, just think about it. That rain delay uh, could very well be what you know is the deciding factor in the final points for the uh, the world championship. How pleased was Jonathan Bomarito and the uh, folks at the Bomarito Automotive Group? Well, anytime John Bomarito gets to stand on national TV and try to sell you a car, he's happy. So uh, that's the job. Was, he, he did a pretty good uh, driver starter engine. He always works in that uh, that plug for Bomarito.com. So he was happy with everything. Their activations went very well. The, the media leading up to the event week was good. You know, he's a, he's a real good partner. He loves this race. Uh, he just loves the scene. The, and, you know, this time around, too, he put together that package deal with Kyle Kirkwood, with A.J. Foyt uh, racing. So, you know, for, for John, you know, this is a guy who had never really been to a race before. And I, I kind of got the, got him in here uh, at a drag race, one of our NHRA drag races a few years ago. And now you take a look at all the stuff that he's involved with, whether it's being on the Bastard Sullivan IMSA car or his Xfinity team or his NASCAR truck team. Uh, you know, this year he did a sponsorship with Richard Petty Motorsports, and now he's with AJ Foyt. I told him the other day, I said, "Now we just got to get you hooked up with uh, John Force for the uh, for the NHRA race, and you'll you know hit all the the top names, you know." But he he loves racing, and he's uh, the what has happened to this sponsorship um, has really revolutionized a lot of things. And for a guy who knew nothing about racing, and he's seeing all the rewards uh, with his dealership group. It just continues to grow, and uh, uh, you know, it's uh, the, for us. I look at this as one of the real success stories of uh, motorsports marketing sponsorships of what John is doing and his unique way of doing it. And uh, the IndyCar package works perfect for him and his team. To be able to get that type of exposure on a national platform 
for an automotive group such as the Bomarito Automotive Group, that has to also be invaluable because he's getting mentioned around the United States and even around the world. And if people are looking to buy a new car, all they got to do is go to bomarito.com and look over his selection. And I'm sure that drives sales. Yeah, it's funny. You know, after our first IndyCar race, I have a, had a friend of mine uh, from Yakima, Washington. He called me the next day and he says, I don't know who John Bomarito is. I don't know what his dealerships are like, but after watching that race and after that, his command to start engines on that first year, he says, I, I want to buy a car off that guy. He said, I'm just so you know, just happy to see that somebody's really getting into racing this big. And that was uh, you know, six years ago when we were just getting started and it's making an impact for a lot of people. And, you know, they're becoming more recognizable. John being on TV, people, you know, he's a accessible guy and customers love it. And uh, the racing community, he's, I mean, he's seeing tremendous sales with the, the Bomberito.com brand from outside the market. And that's what he was going for with this IndyCar sponsorship. So he's really getting a lot of support from the diehards uh, locally, as well as the people in the outlying markets. And one of the great things, too, that I hear about is I was talking to one of their GMC uh, dealers the other day. The number of local racers who race short track stuff, whether sprints, midgets, things like that, they're going to Bomberito and buying vehicles for their uh, to pull their trailers to the races just because of what he's doing sponsoring an IndyCar race. But they recognize he's supporting the sport, even though it's on a totally different level. But they respect that, and they're spending money with him, and it helps me. So it's uh, it's working out good for all of us. Now there's just two races left, and we have a championship where the top five are separated by just 43 points. That's the tightest since the old Indy Racing League and the Champ Car Series unified in 2008 to become today's IndyCar. So looking in the, ahead of the next race at Portland and looking to the championship finale at Monterey, who do you see is coming out of this battle as the champion? Oh man, that is, it's uh, that one is just so tough. I mean, it's it's going to be mad. Really, it's not. Uh, it's it's going to really boil down to just who has the best luck on those last two races. You know, one error in one of those races, and you're out. And man, I don't know. Uh, after watching Joseph the, the other night, he seems pretty determined. I think that would be a pretty good bet. Uh, boy. This, that's a tough one. It really is, you know, but uh, can you really rule out Erickson for what he's been doing too? And so I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a challenge and the only way we're going to find out is just, it's going to come down to the last few laps of that last race there at Laguna Seca. So I, uh, man, I, I don't even want to make a prediction on this one. I wouldn't go to Vegas and bet on it. That's for sure. <laughs> and then there's also two veteran drivers that know how to win championships. Will Power, who won the title in 2014 and our generation's best driver, if not the greatest driver in IndyCar history, arguably, Scott Dixon, who is going for his record-tying seventh IndyCar Series championship, which would tie him with the great A.J. Foyt. Power leads the series, but it's just by three points. But you can't really count any of these drivers out. Oh, uh, no, and that's the thing about it. Can you imagine what it would be like coming down to the last lap with you know those two, if it was Will Power and Scott Dixon, who's going to be the most determined? <laughs> you know, who's going to be the most stubborn? Uh, that, I think that's what's going to come down to who's who wants this the, the most. And yeah, you know, Scott, he, he continues to look good. He looks so smooth. I mean, he's just he's an, uh, just an incredible driver. Um, but man, it's uh, it's it's a tough tough one to make a call on. There's just so much talent out there. 
And again, this goes back to what IndyCar has done with their rules and uh, the competition, that entire competition department over there, uh, to have something, you know, for this many drivers this close, this late in the season, it's absolutely unbelievable. You look at some of these other series that are out there, and you can pretty much predict who's going to win now because it's already out of touch with some of these other open wheel deals. So, uh, again, uh, credit to, to Jay Fry, credit to Roger, uh, everybody over there. Uh, they've put together the best product in open wheel racing by far, and uh, this championship just goes to prove that. And finally, when you look at the addition of Jimmy Johnson to your racetrack, to the IndyCar race, he's a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. Maybe we expected him to be a little bit higher up in the order on an oval, such as he was able to do at Iowa. But still, just having him at your facility, interacting with the fans, signing autographs, posing for photos, that had to be a great addition to have in your paddock. The, yeah, Bruce, the number of people who commented to me about how they'd always wanted to meet him, when they finally did meet him, they were totally impressed. And I kept hearing the word uh, total class uh, with so many of these folks because, you know, Jimmy Johnson is a class act just in the way everything that goes about it. He treated those fans with such respect and the fans, you know, the uh, the admiration they have towards him and the respect they have for him, what he's uh, been pulling off here with these cars, uh, it goes a long way. And and with Jimmy, it's just a, such a complete package all the way around. Whether it's the pre-event build-up, uh, the stuff that him and his team do on social media, to the the post-event video thanking the fans and thanking the racetrack after the event. I mean, that just goes so far, and it goes so you know, it just made us all feel special. And it was, really was. It's an honor to have him race at our track. I mean, we have some great legends that are there, and uh, I'm just so happy that we finally got to see that under Curtis's ownership. And since I've been uh, running the place, to finally get Jimmy at the racetrack, uh, it means a lot to us because, you know, Jimmy Johnson was a big part of our success in getting uh, our uh, NASCAR Cup race. And most people don't even realize this, but, you know, Jimmy Johnson put out a tweet uh, one night with one of those packed grandstands and made a comment to that, you know, we should be racing there. And this is when he was running a NASCAR cup. And, you know, kind of the funny story behind that is uh, I'd asked Alex Bowman that earlier that day, I said, Hey, if you don't mind, would you, you know, make a comment about how cr- great our crowd looks on Twitter so that the racing world can see what we're doing here in uh, St. Louis. And I said, if you do, I'll buy you dinner. Uh, well, a little while later that evening, I get a text from him and he says, Hey, Jimmy already beat me to it. Did you have a deal with Jimmy? And I didn't even know what he was talking about. And I pulled up Twitter and I saw that Jimmy Johnson had posted this picture of this packed grandstand and to made that statement. And I told Alex, I said, well, I don't have to buy you dinner now because I got Jimmy Johnson to do this. And, uh, it worked out just so well. And so that got a lot of people's attention. He recognized what we were doing. A lot of people, millions and millions of people follow Jimmy Johnson uh, that you know that helped with our awareness, and it just it was another one of those steps along the way uh, for us getting the race. So uh, again, he's a class guy. He's, he promotes uh, the sport. He promotes the tracks. He helps all of us, and it was great to really to finally have him there. And I hope he keeps coming back for years to come. It's very important that they have guys like Jimmy Johnson to be able to do this. A lot of people, a lot of NASCAR fans may look at what he's doing and wonder why he's doing it because they're used to seeing him win races, win championships. But Jimmy says, hey, he's having fun. This is something he's always wanted to do. It's something he's always wanted to try. And, you know, hopefully he'll be able to put a sponsorship package together that will allow him to return in 2023 because, 
the starting grid of any IndyCar race should be filled with all kinds of different drivers from all kinds of different disciplines. And he certainly adds another element to that. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, a lot of people, they talk a lot about when they, some of the old F1 guys or, you know, the F1 guys will come over and, and run with us. And that's great from an international perspective or when we're trying to go after that clientele who, uh, they, they truly look at the F1 as the thing, but you know, when you bring Jimmy and Jimmy helps us get to the core race fan, the, the guys who are going to the Saturday night short tracks and the racing through the Midwest, because he's somebody they identify with because of what he accomplished with seven NASCAR championships. And so for us, it helps us promote to a whole different segment because he's admired in the Midwest. A lot of people love the guy. Uh, they respect what he did in stock cars, and they see this happening over there, over on the IndyCar side. So he brings another whole different perspective and another balance for us as promoters uh, to be able to offer that to our fans. So we get the the Formula One guy that adds that international pill, and then we get the, you know we get Jimmy who is really getting down to the the core of the people that uh, you know live near us and go to a whole lot of races near us, and that that really helps balance things out, and it gives us another offer offering to make uh, our race even better. All of us at Pit Pass Indy and Evergreen Podcast also want to thank you and the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway for bringing us along for the ride the last two months. Uh, We've had a lot of fun helping you promote your event. I think that there was a lot of interesting angles and interviews that we were able to give our listeners to really help them have a better understanding of the event. Although this concludes for 2022, hopefully we can do it again in the future. It sounds like fun, Bruce. I appreciate all you guys are doing. I wish you the best of luck with with everything. And you know, it's it's great to see you know the passion that you guys bring to uh, the sport and through this podcast and all the other things you're doing. And it's great to be a part of it. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Once again, Chris Blair, Executive Vice President, General Manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway. Good luck the rest of the season. Good luck with your plans for 2023. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thanks, Bruce. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. 
And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. With two races remaining, just 43 points separate the top five in the tightest title race since 2003 in the old Indy Racing League. That year, 41 points separated the top five positions. Scott Dixon won the championship that year, the first of his six NTT IndyCar Series championships. This year, Will Power of Team Penske is the leader, but the 2014 champion is just three points ahead of his Team Penske teammate and two-time IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden. Scott Dixon is third, 14 points behind Power. This year's Indianapolis 500 winner, Marcus Erickson, remains in the thick of the battle for this year's championship. With two races remaining, Erickson is fourth in the standings, 17 points behind the leader. Defending champion Alex Pelot is fifth, 43 points out of the lead. Two drivers who remain mathematically alive for the title include second-year IndyCar driver Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske, who is 54 points out. Pato Award of Mexico is seventh, 58 points out. Those two drivers would need some extreme circumstances to happen to all of the five drivers ahead of them in the final two races to have a shot at the title. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. We want to thank our guest, Worldwide Technology Raceway Executive Vice President and General Manager, Chris Blair, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And we especially want to thank our partners, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Make plans now to see one of the biggest and best IndyCar races of the season in 2023. For more information, go to www.raceway.com and bomberito.com. We want to especially thank them for the two-month partnership with Pit Pass Indy. It's been quite a ride. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.